0: Oh really? So like when I talk about looking to see if they have their reflexive strength, it is purely how easily and how pretty, like how beautifully they can move. So if they if they move like uh, like poetry or like a uh, Barishnikov, if it looks gorgeous, they're good to go. If it looks like a walking stick or a bunch of <laughs> jointed parts and pieces, we've got a lot of work to do. So I don't even worry about how long they can crawl. It's more it's more can they crawl pretty. Does it look good? Does it look like poetry? Um, if it if it looks anything less than that, we got some we got some work to do.
1: That was personal trainer and writer Tim Anderson speaking on coaching movement quality in crawling and reflexive training for athletic and human performance. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. <laughs> Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to episode 154 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Thanks for being here today. And regardless of where you are, you're in your car, you're on a walk. Uh, maybe you're in a weight room somewhere. I hope that there's a field or a piece of big piece of turf that's not too far away from you. Because after you listen to my uh, chat with Tim Anderson, who I'll uh, give him a little intro in a second, uh, you're probably going to want to get down and do some crawls. You're going to want to get your reflexive strength training on. And this is a really cool show. Um, so, yeah, let's get right into it. So Tim Anderson is a guy who I've known of for a few years now. I got his books on original strength, a few of them several years back. Was totally blown away, loved it. Uh started in in injecting crawl base work, work into my training almost immediately. Uh, and if you listen to my the little if you listen to the episode that just went out with Keegan Smith, I've shared about how back in the day I used to do stuff like breakdancing and and anything gymnastic and athletic. I've always been Uh, really attracted to it's always been a lot of fun to me Uh, I should say ground based as well so uh, and and crawl there's nothing more ground based than the the act of crawling and and with all that I've always noticed this tremendous like uh, athletic rejuvenation and connectivity and this power that you kind of didn't know you had that really creeps up and I'll get into that, especially my recent experiences with that once we get chatting, but uh, for those of you who don't know Tim, so I've bought his books, but Tim has been a trainer for over 20 years in the field. He is a prolific author, having written many books on the subject of primal body weight movements. Some of those books include Becoming Bulletproof Project, Habitual Strength, Pressing Reset, and Original Strength Performance. Tim is a guy who has a extremely profound meth- message, but it's also the way he presents it is extremely simple. And if you've listened to this show for a while, or, or many others like it, I think, or if you just educated yourself through the school of hard knocks and got your hands there in the field, you realize that the best answer is almost always the most simple one. The more complex and complicated we tend to get with things, uh, we really can get this paralysis by analysis. So, Tim has. Uh, an incredible way of taking a, a complex system and making it very simple and incredibly effective. Uh, so as an athlete myself, these, these talks are always near and dear to me. Crawling and, and original movement movement and reflexive strength and human resets is one of Tim's specialties. It's something that's helping athletes, uh, elite level like throwers to reclaim their ability uh, and even set world records in their own disciplines. And like I believe it's the Scottish games or Highland games. And everyone who I've worked out with and trained with who have integrated Tim's methods uh, into that regimen, just one, they just have a blast because it's different. But there's always this feeling uh, you can do these workouts for uh, for a good long time and feel better at the end of it. Like you feel like rejuvenated and reconnected and rewired. So I'm just thrilled to have Tim on the show. Uh today Tim is going to talk all about. If you look at the show notes, I got like nine bullet points, but basically how he got into this thing called crawling or how he got into crawling training, what led him on that journey where he said, This is something I really want to dig into and learn from. Uh, Then he's going to get into the basics of reflexive strength. What is it what is reflexive strength? What does it mean? How do we get it? Uh, We're going to talk about crawling and these, these body weight human movements. How do we approach those versus uh, barbell work and stuff that's a little more, I guess, dangerous, if you will, um, that might require a little bit more coaching? And also, what's the interplay between the two? uh, He's going to talk about the ability of crawling and human reset work to make us stronger, um, not in just our own body, but also the way we can handle weights. Uh, He's going to talk about common crawl variations how he, uh, how he coaches them and how, or, and, or doesn't coach them. And I think that's going to be a really important thing that we get to, uh, he's going to talk about guidelines, guidelines for breathing, rolling, uh, the foundation, everything that's the foundation of gate and, and, in that's rolled up into those basic movements. So, uh, with that being said, I am thrilled to have uh awesome practical and ready for you guys to all rock and roll with episode here with Tim Anderson. But I'm sure that you, you know, your kids are a little older now, but I'm sure that when they were growing up and I'm not sure where, how this happened in context of, you know, how old they were when your books came out, but I'm sure you managed to learn an awful lot watching your kids just move around and grow and learn and play.
0: So my kids were actually, so I think my oldest was maybe 11 or 10 or 11 when I really started catching a clue. So I was able to learn from them then. Um, But fortunately I've got a wonderful memory and i was able to like recall like their entire childhood and i could just see it like play those movies back in my head um so i was able to learn after the fact from from how they moved
1: yeah for sure and i think it's like it's always very like memorable too. you know just just you watch a child like i remember how my child used to move like that and and it's it is interesting too like even um like i mean i've i have the good fortune of having read your books like right before basically my kids were born. And so, it's kind of like you watch them, even like you watch them crawl and they go up to a sidewalk and then they just lift their knees off the ground like, no big deal, like this is, it's just, is just part of the system, you know, but then you have, for every, for some reason we have to like hyper, I don't know, it just, we make everything more difficult when we become adults.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny because I, I catch myself now watching babies move all the time, just You know, just in seeing all the neat little things they do and there's just a little quirks and stuff they have and it is very simple and I, I have yet to see, well, I'm sure somebody does it, but most adults just watch and smile and let the baby move and figure stuff out. But nobody's ever trying to, you know, make it more complicated for the baby to move or anything. I don't know why. I don't. I have no idea why we do that to ourselves once we get older.
1: Yeah, I I think about it too. Like like my daughter was. Uh, she's gonna be three in July, and she was like, she comes to track club with me, uh, and she just plays in the sand pit and stuff. And then you know, eventually, she just decided she wanted to run down the runway and jump and stuff like that. So I like I like watching them, knowing that even if I tried to like coach her, which I wouldn't, but even if I was tried to say something to her, she would just she would just disregard it. And you just get to see that like pure unmanufactured un- movement and, and, uh, I guess similar to watching animals too, you know, like them and everyone likes to, uh, show the video of the cheetah running and things like that, or the monkey swinging from the trees. And, and it's, it's all, it's all fun. Like it's all, to me, I'm in this really cool world where that's, um, become more of a reality. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun, I'd say.
0: It is. And I, I think when you watch a move, uh, even if it looks jerky or twerky or like they just like they're 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 trying to find their coordination but they don't quite have it but at the same time it it still looks perfect like there's just something very pure and perfect about it um or innocent about how the movement just so i I think it's really neat and you can learn a lot from watching them for sure
1: yeah, so so Tim, how did you get into because I know I believe you were you like a, a university strength coach or had like were in formal strength and conditioning and then you you got into crawling or can you just take us through your journey of how your process has evolved over time as long as you've been in this industry?
0: So well to be <laughs> to be completely upfront, I did go to a university, but I was not a university. Oh, coach. I see, I see. So I, I became a personal trainer in, uh, 1998 and somewhere along the way about in the year 2006, I found out about kettlebells and I kind of just fell in love with them and I, I, overdid it with them, um, for the most part. And then I started, you know, I went to certifications about them and, and it was just a lot of volume that I, and I would not let myself rest because I was still in the, the mindset of, well, if you're hurting, it's okay to hurt yourself. Um, Anyway, it turns out that you hurt yourself long enough and you start to get frustrated with it.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so I, I did not like, and I, it wasn't anything serious, but was just nagging stuff that I was never free of. Um, and so I started looking at uh, corrective exercise programs, and which was neat. It showed me that you know there are methods to try to fix things. But what I learned is, is the, for myself personally, the more I fixed or thought I fixed, something else would pop up. And so I just, I it got to be a cycle where I was just chasing my tail around, um, which made me even more frustrated. So, no joke, I was sitting one night. Um, I've always wanted to be Superman, and I was sitting one night thinking, "Well, I don't feel like Superman." And I was just, I, was having, I was having a pity party, and I just, out of frustration, I threw up a hail mary prayer, and I asked God to show me how to train to be to be resilient, and bulletproof, like Superman. Um, and within two weeks I, I was around the house and I started, I picked up a book that I had laying around the house about, uh, learning disorders uh, in children. It was called Smart Moves by Carla Haniford. And I just started thumbing through it and things just started, I don't know, it was like God connected all the dots and, and I knew that crawling was miraculous before I even tried it for myself. I was excited about it. Um, and that's, that's really how it started. Uh, and then I started, uh, getting other books about child development and learning about reflexes and stuff like that. But. I can't tell you it was anything methodically planned out or anything. It just kind of just kind of happened. But for me, it was very uh, it happened. It was really the answer to my prayer. And like because I'm not man, I'm not smart, (laughs) not that that smart. Um, Basically, we've all been given this uh, wonderful design and our bodies are they're amazing. They know exactly how to take care of themselves and be strong if we allow them to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that journey. And I love how it always happens out of like a problem, right? Like it's just a continuous cycle of injury and this like, you know, it's that was required for you to find that way and for that way to be presented to you. And I, I, I when you, um so when you got into this stuff, you know, you're reading through the, the child development and all that and the benefits, uh, what got you into crawling as kind of like an exercise modality or Uh, a corrective and what were some of the results that you got from that
0: so well i i learned about how crawling connects uh the hemispheres of the brain and and then there was just one line in that book that said an efficient brain makes for an efficient body and i knew i wanted an efficient body so i just every day i would crawl a little bit and then uh one of my mentors uh is john brookfield and he would also coach me or encourage me, I'll call it encouraging, um, to, to do, to, to make hard hard things easy. Um, so I would start crawling a little bit and through, through knowing John and thinking about how he trains, I started crawling for time to see how long I could crawl without, without stopping or resting. Um, and that's elevated crawling. Uh, so I. I, I did start crawling on my hands and knees, but then, you know, like you always want to up the ante a little bit. So I started crawling on my hands and feet and it was just an interesting challenge, especially like, because when I started, man, 30 steps, 30 steps seemed like I would crawl in for five minutes. Even, and it was like 30 seconds. So it was just this neat little challenge I had for something that was, that I wasn't necessarily great at. Um, but that it, it made me feel good. And that was the most amazing thing. Um, like it was almost like an elixir, uh, and that's how it started. I would crawl, like, in the beginning, I would crawl 20 to 30 steps at a time, and I would just feel so amazing. Uh, and then when I started crawling for time, I was feeling even better. And, and my my issues were, you know, I didn't really have any issues anymore. But what I noticed was I was so much stronger at doing other stuff, like weight training or, or the other stuff I had been doing. Um, and I also kind of lost my interest in doing that other stuff, too, because I had a new challenge that was that was fun to do
1: yeah something you just said there like your your weightlifting like your your lifts went up and and that was really without practicing or training the lifts a lot right
0: yeah yeah so oh so now now i get crazy because yeah. i went through a period where i like i put all of that aside and i only like i only crawl for like months um and when i say months about 12 months
1: so, wow that's a <laughs> lot of time yeah,
0: yeah so, and so now there's different ways i didn't crawl the same way every day but i made it fun but um when I decided to to try weights or, or just if I got curious about, hey, can I still do this or can I do that, I did discover that I had a lot of strength left in the tank, more than I should have had if I were going to be thinking about traditional strength training anyways.
1: Yeah. I, I love I love that like idea and, and experience. And I mean, even for me, I was just telling you before I started recording, I've been kind of making a, a big comeback lately in a lot of different crawls and just just going out and basically playing on the grass and figuring out a lot of different ways to do things. And I've already... I could see it show up in my sprinting. Like I just took off the other day on a 20 meter sprint and just felt like someone put a rocket in my butt, you know, like just like, just it's like that strength you didn't know was there, but I guess you always did. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and I even had run the best um, 30 meters that I had in, in a long time. And I, and I just feel like, it's so so that re- like the reflexive strength. Could you you mentioned that. Could you talk a little bit more about that, Tim? And and what what is reflexive strength? Uh, what does that mean? And and how does crawling and and those types of exercises help that?
0: So reflexive strength is the strength that we're all designed to have. That is supposed to be our foundation. It's uh it's both reactive strength and proactive strength. Like where your body is able to respond when something happens to it, but it, it also is able to anticipate the need to move before something happens to it. And it's supposed to be extremely fast uh, and without thought. So it's it's kind of an unconscious automatic. It's just that it's your superpower It's there when you need it um, and it's there to protect you and crawling ties the body together in such a way. It makes the nervous system so very efficient that it, it just, it it connects everything about you and it just gives you a great foundation and reflexive strength. To where uh, you think better, you think faster, you move faster, you move easier. Uh, your your mind can interpret things coming at you before you even have a thought in your head, and your body is already responding. It's 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 almost like if you've ever seen the movie with Tobey Maguire as Spider Man, uh, when somebody trips in the cafeteria and he's able to just catch everything and you know put it back on the tray. Um, it's kind of like that, and you actually discover in your life that like say you open up a cabinet and cups fall out. You don't even register they're falling out, but you reach and grab them before they ever hit the cabinet or the floor, and you like you discover you have cuffs in your hands. It's the it's the weirdest thing, but that's 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 how I try to explain reflexive strength.
1: Yeah, that always blows me away when like I'll something will fall off the shelf, and before I even realize something fell, there it is in my hand. Or even the, the craziest one was I was at work a couple days ago, and a, a dowel rod was behind my chair, and I, I I was just I think I was like messing around with it with one hand, and it fell. And I grabbed, without even looking, I actually was able to grab it with the other hand before I even knew it fell. Like, and I'm like, it, it's, 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 it's unbelievable how well the mind can react and process to that stuff without, without us even right thinking about it, that, that like first, it's like, I guess you could say it's even like original to conscious thought in a way. It's just, it just goes. And I, that's uh yeah, I, I, I did a, I did a podcast with uh, a few guys, Dr. Tommy John, chiropractor and Alex Lee, chiropractic student a little while ago, talking about the same thing, like, uh, like neurological reset training or, or train the reflexes absent of barbell training and then getting to the barbell training later. And it all, it goes up. And I I just think it's so cool how, uh, and I think the methods they were using were a little bit different than crawling, but, but that's in the same ballpark, the same, trying to get at the same thing. And, I just, I think it's always so cool to, I think it gets us outside of the box too. Cause I think we tend to look at just strength uh, with air quotes as a barbell, you know, that that's the only way you can measure it or assess it or, or train it. And right. I, it's awesome to me that to open up every time we open up a new world of possibilities and then we go back to, I guess, how we classically measure it in today's society. And it does get better, uh, from, from that barbell perspective. Uh, so I just think that's a really cool thing.
0: No, and I think what you were just talking about, so the way we measure strength, I, to me, I've had a paradigm shift. Um, to me, strength is being able to live your life the way you want to and do the things you want to do. And it doesn't matter what you can pick up in a gym if you're always hurting or if your quality of life outside the gym isn't good. So, like, so my whole paradigm of what strength really is has, has completely changed because when I'm 90, or 98 I want to be able to take care of myself and enjoy life and that's strength um, which some people would probably label health but without strength you don't have health so
1: yeah that's a good way it's a great way of put of putting things and I, I know a lot of people and I think it's very common for uh, coaches especially if like you know, the power list for example is your primary way of measuring assessing and training like every day it revolves around the power list eventually you're, I, I can't imagine that you would be like sixty or seventy and healthy, fully healthy and fully supple. Uh, you know, if if that was, if you never let your body work the way it naturally is intended to, um, and I think a lot of people do get uh, pick up a lot of injuries when they get away from our natural our, our natural design.
0: So, and and you've probably come across this too in the university setting, but it's kind of common to so in the pursuit of strength inside of the weight room. It, the strongest athlete inside of the weight room is rarely the best athlete on the field. Um, just because they can lift more weights or they can do it better than everybody in the weight room, it doesn't always, if ever, translate over to their performance on the field. Um, so there's, there's sometimes I think there's some huge gaps in traditional strength training in that respect.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I was actually just recording a podcast. I was a guest on another person's podcast this morning and I was talking about how I, my own training, I still use, I still use barbells. I use them for my college athletes, but for, for me personally, particularly the proportion by which I use barbells has decreased significantly as I've grown older. And it's like, it's like, I still want to be strong in that respect, but I want to use all the crawling and all the other things I did to help push that up rather than, I guess the other way around, you know, like, and I was curious, like what, I mean, you said you're using a lot of kettlebells and things like that. How, as you've gotten more into crawling and, and the original resets and using crawling as training and conditioning, how has your relationship or attitude with uh, barbell oriented change? Is it something you're still utilizing? Uh, situationally, like what's your, um, what's your attitude towards those things now?
0: 90, I, there's nothing wrong with them. I just want to say like, and if you love to lift, lift man, if it brings joy to your heart, do it all day long as long as you don't hurt yourself. But, <laughs> For me, 90% of probably probably 90% of what I do is mostly uh, original strength, pressing reset uh, through crawling and the other resets. Uh, I do a lot of carries, uh, just moving, you know, walking with weight, awkward awkward loads uh, from here to there. Um, And I may do, I get bugs where I just want to play or learn a new skill. Um, So if it's with a kettlebell or a barbell, maybe 10% of what I do during the week you know, is, is revolved around me playing around to to see what something feels like again, or if I can learn something. Um, but that's usually out of curiosity and fun. So I use it more for for fun than I do necessarily for strength training.
1: Yeah, for like exploration, uh, explorative purposes, I guess you could say.
0: Yes, like uh, just a great point to that is uh, like three or four days ago, I have I have a seventy year old friend who is just ripped. Um, and at 74, he just got involved in CrossFit (laughs) and he, and he loves it. And he was like, he's like, Tim, just keep an open mind. He goes, go to a CrossFit box and and just learn how to do like, he was like Olympic lifts or something, just play with it. So in the last week I'm like, huh. So I just, I I got curious about just doing, you know, hand cleans, um, because of my 74 year old friend who just encouraged me to keep an open mind about it. So yeah, I like playing and exploring and learning still.
1: You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, no, no doubt. Same same here. Like, I was just like, whether it's like a mace bell or clubs or or learning how to do Olympic lifts a new way, I, I, I'm i totally in the same boat. I So, I was going to ask you, too. Uh, so, let's say you have, like, you know, someone who comes in who's maybe a, a, what you would consider a strength athlete, like football or maybe like a post player in basketball or someone who needs a little more strength in their sport. Uh, how do you, what's your philosophy at that point, especially with weights being like a bigger part of our, our culture, factory in the resets and using, you know, crawling and derivatives as strength. Uh, how would you approach that situation?
0: Uh, the first, the first thing I would do with them is see where their reflexive strength is at, uh, to see how well they can move, um, and what they have access to in their own body, uh, without any load whatsoever. Because if they're, if they're missing, if they have gaps already in their, in their foundation, uh, there's no need to. To cement that those gaps by stacking you know lifts on top of it, so I we start everybody out see where they are, how can can their body easily press reset, and what they maybe what they need uh, to do to to fill in that foundation, and then from there depending on their sport and their needs, we uh, we start to add load um, maybe through traditional lifts or through crawling or carries or um, other other means as well. It, 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 you know some it depends on the person and what they're looking for. But everybody starts out is where
1: are they? Where is their foundation at before we add on anything on top of it? What What are you so in terms of athletes coming in before you're looking to add load? And I and I'll I'll go back to saying too, like I know not only your story, you've gotten stronger, and I, I've even found like helping me recently. And I the way I look at even like athletes before they uh, really get into any sort of significant weightlifting and that impact, I've I've also heard other people using your system like throwers, like there was like a. A guy who's like in Scottish games or Highland games who like set a PR doing uh base after a lot of crawl work. Like it's definitely it's this isn't uncommon. It's not just you and me. This is like oh, yeah. a lot of people who are who are doing this.
0: And that guy that guy is John Ogden, and he's got the world record. In <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's no joke. Yeah, it's no joke. He's,
0: but he crawls. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Like it's not like I mean it's not the only thing, but it is a important part to have down. And and what I was gonna ask you is what how do you know they're good enough in that? before first, you know, it's like, can you, do you have to crawl hundred yards? Do you have to crawl 200? Is, is it on like your, your elbows and your feet or your hands and knees? Or what are some basic, like, like you should be able to do this before we start really looking to intensifying things?
0: Oh, really? So like when I talk about looking to see if they have their reflexive strength, it is purely how easily and how pretty, like how beautifully mm-hmm. they can move. So if they if they move like uh, like poetry or like a uh, Barishnikov, if it looks gorgeous, they're good to go. If it looks like a walking stick or a bunch of <laughs> jointed parts and pieces, we've got a lot of work to do. So I don't even worry about how long they can crawl. It's more it's more can they crawl pretty? Does it look good? Does it look like poetry? Um, if it if it looks anything less than that, we got some we got some work to do.
1: I love that. I was just, it's funny. I, I kind of had this little chuckle because there's a, I, I've, I've been making my swimmers do a little bit more of it recently. And I, I have one athlete who is like, you know, you typically talk about swimmers as dysfunctional on land. And yeah, some people are, a lot of people aren't, but this guy is like, is the classical, like kind of uh, maybe bowling ball in the China shop, if you will. And I was laughing because when he was doing his crawling, uh, he, he was going like his natural tendency. I'm sure you've seen this. I'm curious in your take is like the people whose natural tendency is not to go cross body. Their natural tendency is to go left hand, right hand, then right. Like they move one side at the time, not in an alter, you know, like they, they move in the same side fashion, not an alternating fashion. So I'd imagine like, like those, like that would be an example of someone who's really disconnected, right? Like between the sides of their body.
0: Yeah. Neurologically. So, so, and so the thing is like And just walk this through in my way of thinking. So if crawling is your gait pattern, it is the foundation of how you're supposed to walk and run. But if you don't have a good crawling pattern, do you really have a good walking pattern? Mm -hmm. Do you have a good sprinting pattern? And are you playing, you know, are you an athlete? Which already, so can we make you faster, more efficient by just cleaning up your crawling pattern? You know, so like it's, it's, it is, it is so neat to, to, to see teenagers or, or college kids that are still same side or ipsilateral crawling where they don't have that contralateral pattern. Um, it, it, it sometimes it just almost staggers. Staggers. Yeah. They stop they
1: stopped wrestling their buddies like a long time ago, like at age four and stuff like that. Yeah. who knows what's
0: going on? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting for sure. Um, Shoot, I had, oh, I like, I like um, that you said about making it look pretty because I do think too, like even I asked you a qualitative or quantitative question, how much, how much is good, right? Like I was, it's like, we tend to are wired so much towards numbers, I think as an industry like, but I love that you really drew the quality out of it because I think that, I think that's something that, like you said, like the guys who are the biggest lifters are oftentimes not the best on the field or they aren't. Uh, and it's almost like, especially the higher up you go to, like those guys who are just grinding it out and just like have these grindy, like, you know, everything's clenched, movement patterns are not very smooth. If you, even if you can move a lot of weight, that doesn't matter anymore. And so I really like the fact that you're using it as a qualitative smoothness assessment because that's something I'm always trying to like look at. Uh, I I like that it's almost like you're taking something that's reflexive and natural and now you're stacking the movement piece on top of that too, or the quality piece on top of that. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm really glad you mentioned that. It's got my wheels turning.
0: I I think it, it, it helps tremendously. Um, Well, everything's performance, right? So like athletes aren't the only ones that need to perform Um, and we're all athletes, but it greatly carries over to performance on the field and in life in general or at home. Um, the better you move, the better you're going to perform and the and, and, and mentally and emotionally as well, the better you, you you're able to think better, you're able to you're, you you have better control of your emotions and faculties,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. I, so with the with the the making it smooth, one thing that springs to my head is uh one of my I believe it was Kevin Carr, a guest I had on almost a hundred episodes ago, maybe it was a hundred. He was talking about and I'd seen this before, and I've actually done this. Uh, he was talking about putting like a cone on someone's back or something that's a little unstable that that could fall off when they're crawling. Uh, I mean, obviously, that might like smooth or makes the torso more fixed. But how does that in your mind, how does that play into the whole system in terms of a movement quality paradigm for a crawl? All
0: right. So and this is just my opinion. Um, this is just me. And I know everybody has a way of doing things. I personally don't like that doing that. Because now you're forcing something rigid that the person doesn't have, and it's making it very cognitive, where movement is not, it's just not meant to be cognitive. It's supposed to just be there. Um, and again, if we're looking for reflexive strength, we're not looking for cognitive strength. Not when it comes to gait pattern and doing natural movements, anyways. If that makes any sense.
1: No, it makes makes total sense. That's why I wanted to ask you that because, yeah, I mean, people certainly have conflicting opinions on this show, and I I just like hearing them all. I I'm I'm you know I uh and and so when you said that though, it actually made me think, and this is kind of a little. I never want to frame things as arguments. Maybe just things that people are talking about is a lot of people talk about the bracing core versus uh, David Weck, who's been on here, talks about the coiling core, uh, like the core as a coiling and uncoiling entity versus people who tend to want to make us brace down and lock down a little bit more. And so I kind of think about things in terms of the the bracing side is more, and I, and I do think of athletic movement much more as, as coiling and uncoiling. Um, I feel like we need to have a certain amount of bracing, basic bracing strength and ability, but I think we overblow it. Um, but any, anyways, I was so it, to me, it seems like just uh, natural crawling, it, it, or even as we overbrace, when we overbrace, we kind of put too much forebrain in, and we kind of harm the, cogn- the we harm the free flowing ability of, and ref- we would shut down the reflexes too. It makes sense if we're like really trying to. It's like we'd be putting a kink in our core. Um, yes. yeah, for the reflexes not to be able to go through. Sorry, it's like my my mind just spat out gobbledygook there. It's just going on the fly.
0: No, so you can you can uh, brace or do use speed poor attention. Um, you can use it in the absence of reflexive strength. It's extremely cognitive. But the hazard of that is is that's all your body knows how to do. Then when you actually don't put your mind into what you're doing and you just bend over to pick up a pencil
1: and you don't have the stability in your spine, mm-hmm. but you didn't brace to pick up your pencil, that's when you're vulnerable. Yeah,
0: it, That's how people get hurt doing ridiculously silly things that would seem like anybody could do, um, is because they're lacking their reflexive strength. So it is okay to learn how to brace on top of reflexive strength, mm-hmm. but you also don't want to overdo it either because you can't actually override reflexive strength too, um, through constantly cognitively bracing. And, and like you... Like you said, so the core is very reactive and it's instinctual and it's intuitive and it just knows what to do. So like the greatest example is if you ever see a child try to pick up something like a watermelon, they they just they they're not thinking about anything, but they know how to brace. And it's reflexive. It's not that they know how to brace their body braces. And if you ever see a really good football player when they right before they hit somebody, they're not thinking, all right, tighten up here brace, explode their body just knows how to coil and uncoil mm-hmm. to yes that power and that is reflexive it is intuitive it's just there and that's what you want if you have to have a cognitive method for always being able to move or lift or perform it will only last you so long before something is not doesn't go right
1: oh i could not agree more i just I, and that's one of the things that's always drawn me to your books is just as well as some of the work of some other coaches uh, and, like, looking at, like, the Feldenkrais method and this idea that, like, the innate strength is inside of us. Like, everything you need is already – it's built in. It's pre-programmed. It's there. Like, and then we feel like we have to coach – it's this mentality that, that every athlete's broken and needs to be fixed, you know, like, like with an outside influence. This muscle's weak, strength this muscle, more of That so then just get back to what your body can do on its own and maybe amplify that over time, you know, like amplify what the body's already innately capable of, rather than this, here's a machine, this part's broken, let's fix it, give you this corrective or what. And sounds like you had gone in that corrective cycle before you got into all the uh, reflexive, reflexive work a little bit.
0: I did. And uh, fortunately the corrective cycle led me to, <laughs> to <the> bro-
1: <laughs>
0: me to the reflexive. <laughs>
1: oh I love it I love that stuff I feel like too okay so I'm trying not to lose my train of thought because I, maybe I can ask you that circle back on the corrective and kind of like you know if you can crawl how much need there is for other correctives in fact maybe I'll make myself a note that here but so I was going to say this too because I think a lot of people would be curious about this idea and, and I you know if the idea of like a lot of people will crawl and like like their hips will really sway side to side you know or like And so the solution might be, well, let's put a cone on there. So you have to keep it still or something like that. So what would you just say for someone who's crawling and maybe things are like really moving around a lot and that like our need to want to like make it less or, you know, this, this, whatever, for whatever that um, means, I guess. But what's your thoughts on that?
0: So if it's, there's a a lot of different approaches for that, but the body moves and there's movement as the body moves. And if, if somebody's crawling, there is sway and movement and it's almost, it's very rhythmical, like a, like a fish swimming or a serpent. Um, so the spine, the whole spine will actually move and the hips will move with it. And that's why you see hip movement or you see the pelvis, uh, rhythmically dancing as somebody crawls. And that is beautiful. That's okay what what you're looking for is remember, so does it look pretty or does it not? So if it does not and there's excessive movement or uncontrolled movement where it looks like gravity's taking over and there's a falling or collapsing or it just looks sloppy, then that's where you would try to make... Uh, there, they don't have enough reflexive strength to have that pretty movement, so that's where you would regress down to smaller uh, crawling methods or other just other resets in general. It may just be that they need to develop spinal stability through learning how to breathe properly i mean so you know when we're born we go through a series of the developmental sequence to establish foundation piece by piece by piece so if somebody's trying to start at crawling but they don't have the pieces they need underneath that that those mm-hmm. movements then we maybe have to back down to a, 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 another piece of the foundation
1: yeah that makes sense it to me i yeah because i look at like you know if a child was crawling you wouldn't like try to coach the child if you felt like they're just eventually going to figure it out if they probably do enough of it in a way like they're going to make it their own as long as it's smooth and natural and and like you said there's not kinks and i now i think about the people who are like have those kinks uh like the guy i was uh, talking about who's real ipsilateral in his crawl he also has a tremendously hard time overactivating his jaw and breathing properly and all the everything else he does and so i'm like oh that yes connection
0: (laughs) So it could be for him to that his breathing's where he wants to start. But here's the beautiful thing, because you just mentioned it, like kids the truth is is when a kid learns how to crawl, it's it's a process that happens over time, but the first time they learn how to do anything, it often looks like an accident. It's not like they're completely graceful. They're not graceful at it until they've done it for a while. So if we're patient, like if you're just working with like if you're on a timeline, maybe you're not patient and you gotta get something done. But if you've got if you're working with, like my clientele, well, we've got 30, 40 years to get pretty. And we can do the same thing a child does. You don't correct the child a lot of times. You just let them continue to, to work it out. You let them, they, they, so a child shows up every day because they got no choice. So day in, day out, they show up, they're consistent at it. And as they show up, they be- develop more stability, they develop more mobility and control. And we the same process will happen with an adult if we're consistent and we show up every day and we're patient. So we don't necessarily always have to act to clean something up as much as we just have to shut up and show up a lot of times.
1: I, I I enjoy that statement a lot because I just think everyone's tendency, especially when they first start coaching, is as soon as they see something that's perceived as wrong, it's just fix it. Say something. Like, And I think we're just not as good – I think we're we're growing that way. I think it's starting to get in the – ether a little bit in coaching too you hear a lot of well just wise and well-seasoned coaches like track coaches in their 50s and 60s and 70s saying i say less now than i ever did or even like coach k this year down in your neck of the woods uh saying i think he coached the team he said less to that team this year than he's ever said and so this this ability just to sit back and like Realize this this piece of uh, human human I guess you could say machine this this human organism sitting in front of you is this insanely well factured learn learning design learning machine that is going to get the job done given and you know given the right constraints and uh, you know we're the guides to that certainly but I just think that's such a valuable skill and to hear that it's okay to do that I think is important for us as well because otherwise I think that that alarm system is going to kick in like oh I better say something here and. So, anyways, I, I really appreciate that you said that that, that. that I think that's really good stuff.
0: So, and and the beautiful part about allowing somebody the opportunity to discover and learn how to move, if they're just moving their own body weight, it's probably okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. If if they're trying to learn how to move with three hundred pound bar, yes, on their back, yeah,
1: yeah, that's very true.
0: <laughs> that's different, and they have no business trying to learn how to move with a three hundred pound bar on their back. But if they're just trying to learn how to move their body, we can be patient. We can afford to let things work themselves out.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm glad you, I I always like when, when spectrums are presented. Okay. Yes. 300 pounds is on your back. I need to make sure you're in the right position so you don't kill yourself or maim yourself or injure yourself under that thing. But if it's your body weight, you have so much more time to learn and explore and, 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 and feel how it's done. And I just think that's, yeah, I think that's really insightful. Uh, so uh, let's, so let's get into a little bit more. I wanted to talk about, so, so crawling obviously is a big one. You talked about breathing. Uh, and, and actually before I ask you anything else, how, what's your basic framework of breathing? So if someone, they struggle with crawling, they're a big breath holder and those types of things. Uh, do you have a, a basic guidelines for getting their breathing back on track? Uh, I, I don't know. Everybody's, I, I have,
0: I have, I have asked, I have basic ask, uh, that I want them to do. Um, whether or not they're able to do it, like you have to meet the person where they're at. And that's, an original strength. We, that's our, we start there. We always try to meet the person where they're at and and, then go from there and how, wherever a person's at is good. We just take that good and we try to move to better from good. But my, my ask are that they put their tongue on the roof of their mouth. They close their lips. They breathe in and out through their nose and they try to relax their belly enough to fill it up with air as they breathe in that those are those are my acts um now how we get there <laughs> that all is on the individual yeah uh, it, yeah we have to put them in a certain position or change position or we have to allow them to be able to find it um but that's that's usually where we start tongue on the roof of the mouth breathe in and out through the nose fill your belly up with air
1: yeah and you're still letting them guide and experience it. it's still not like a set of totally rigid guidelines it's like a it's like a guidepost Correct. basically
0: and we never, you know, we never slap anybody on the wrist with a roller or say, no, that's not right. No, it's, just, it's always, hey, you're almost there. You're doing great. Now can you breathe deeper? Can you breathe deeper? You know, it's, we're always just asking We're or kind of inviting them to explore what they can do or where they can go.
1: Yeah, right on. Uh, so crawling, obviously, everyone probably, you know, crawling, stomach down, uh, pretty familiar to a lot of people. What? Uh, so, what are like like the big ones? Like I, I mean, like crab, like flip over, do crab walking, elbow walking. Uh, is there any like core? I, I guess. I mean, I'm trying not to overcomplicate this, right? That's our tendency to want to overcomplicate everything. But it, it, you, to to I guess engage the body in like a full, the, like the full spectrum of the muscles, maybe like hamstrings. Or are there are there different types of fundamental crawls that uh, would hit the full bandwidth?
0: So I am a bit. Overly simplistic and boring when it comes to that. I uh, Hands and knees crawling with the head up on the horizon uh, and the back looking like a silverback gorilla, opposite limbs moving together is is honestly, is all you need to do. <laughs> However, I know people want more. <laughs> so hands and feet crawling with that same posture, with the head still up on the horizon, the butt still down below the head as if you were on your hands and knees will build a tremendously strong, resilient body that can do whatever. Um, Now, again, that's the foundation of your gait pattern. Once you can crawl well and you can crawl for time. And if you want to make stronger, bolder shoulders that are just extremely resilient, crawl, crawl a lot, and then crawl backwards a lot. It'll make tremendously strong shoulders, uh, legs, hips, glutes, tremendously strong crawling. If you want to add load to it, pull a sled. While you're crawling, or crawl dragging something heavy, or or crawl up a hill, or up a hill backwards, um, there's so many different ways to to increase that. And if you really want to hit your hamstrings and your glutes, sprint, because that is very fast crawling on two feet. So <laughs> I'm really I'm really simple when it comes to stuff like
1: that. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. I love it. Uh, sprinting is fast crawling on two feet. I will not forget that. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, so, and I would say yeah, too for hamstrings because yeah, I'd asked about hammies. You know, like because I, I just ask always because I my hamstrings tend to be a little behind some of my other uh, muscle groups, and so I'm always like, what's a way? To, what's what's the hack? What's the cheat to <laughs> my hamstrings right? Like, so I, I, I when I crawl, my quads just get destroyed. Like it's funny because that's like by far the worst. Um, I, you know, I don't know how many other people are like that. I mean, does it tend to, is there a particular, like what tends to be people's like, like, um, fail or break points if they're trying to really do like a good volume is it usually quads or shoulders or just totally depends.
0: Man, it's funny. You could take 10 people, set them side by side and they could all look identical crawling and some triceps will give out some shoulders will give out some quads will blow up and burst into flames. <laughs>
1: That's it, my, yeah. <laughs>
0: or, or their obliques will just start, you know, tapping out on it. You just don't, it, it, you never know. Uh, it's just person, a lot of times person specific.
1: Yeah. And I imagine you could learn so much about people by doing that. I, I feel like I would be more likely, if I was going to have someone do like a really tough workout too, and like you're a basketball player, a football player, I feel like I would want to use crawling as conditioning a lot more than running just because they're already running a lot. Like why do I want to use that? And then you could learn a lot about them at the same time.
0: I'll tell you, man. So if you really want to make a tremendously resilient athlete like that, that, that does not stop or has no limits, you crawl with their lips shut, breathing in and out through their nose for time. And so now what you've done is, is you're introducing them to gentle reflexive strength training, but also gentle cardiovascular training. And, and they're learning how to manage their breath under load and under stress. Um, and it just makes an, efficient resilient
1: body that has no limits that is awesome I love that stuff you know I, it's funny because that fits in um like and again someone's gonna I, not someone a lot of people are gonna give me crap for bringing up like Jay Schrader again who who basically pioneered like a lot of the extreme long isometric lunge hand holds and ISO push-up holds for like five minutes and and a lot of that and those athletes were always everyone I talked to who works with those athletes says how giant their capacity was but the, sim- the parasympathetic breathing was always a really big part of that stuff too, and that's all neurological oriented training. So it's just like neurological oriented training, nose breathing, like bells are starting to ring, like you know, like I I I just think that is so cool. And I I tell you what, what I was doing, Tim, the other day, and this makes me think of how like kind of good in shape, but kind of bad I was, is I. I did crawling, a ton of crawling, and then I just tried to stand up and just do some easy nose-breathing squats, and I was like dying. Like, I could, my breath, like, I couldn't do it. I, I was so stuck in sympathetic overdrive. I'm like, oh, man, I'm out of shape like this. I need to get, or I need to calm down or something, like, <laughs> but I love how simple that is and just how effective that is. That's uh, a really cool idea.
0: So, that is the way children train, um, and they do everything right, and it, it is perfect, and that is the design. And performance is never about strength it's about the nervous system and there is no strength without the nervous system being healthy and efficient and, and, and feeling safe so it's always about the nervous system and how the body's designed more than it is about how you build strength in the weight room or what whatever your modality is
1: Oh, hundred percent and I could actually you know it's almost you can actually visualize that guy or girl who's always very over sympathetic driven the weight room hyper mouth breathing a lot you know for all the sets get them out and crawl and have them nose breathe and they're definitely gonna have a really hard time with that it's just like it's the opposite almost in a lot of ways
0: it it, is it is very fascinating and you can learn so much about the body and people um when when you do stuff
1: like that oh that's really cool uh last question well maybe i got two because i didn't want to come back to corrective a little bit uh, was uh, rolling rolling stuff so i think you know rolling is really popular as thoughts as thoughts as a reset i think in the fms system or sfma it was a pretty like a big thing that a lot of roads led to and so what uh what's your take on crawling as a re- or, sorry rolling as a reset or is it integrated into the crawling system at all what's your take on that
0: so rolling is absolutely a reset and in fact before crawling, so I, I said crawling is the foundation of your gait pattern. Yes, but no, because rolling is truly the foundation <laughs> of your gait pattern. Uh, rolling is the first thing that uh, where we cross midline and we connect our opposite shoulder to our opposite hips. So roll if your body, if you can imagine your body is an X. Rolling connects your X and gets you ready for crawling and all the other fun stuff that humans do. Uh, rolling is very I I can't. All, a lot of the benefits that crawling has rolling has but it also has even more as far as developing your tactile system or just uh, your proprioceptive system flooding your brain with uh, a huge amount of stimulus information tells your brain where everything's at how everything is designed to move together uh, totally can can calm a person's bo- uh, mind emotions and but but also tie the body very well together and I always like so and I was talking about if you see someone crawling pretty you know they're able to crawl my biggest litmus test is how well can they roll because if they can roll and look like a dancer they'll look like a dancer on two feet no matter what they're doing when they're performing but if they're rolling or they can't roll at all and they look like a two by four <laughs> piece of wood, you know rolling around on the floor they're not going to be able to move well
1: yeah it's just it's just going proliferate, to proliferate its way up the chain I so do you I mean you mentioned not really over coaching anything body weight and I've I've seen like the some the stuff where there is like a coaching process behind rolling I mean just kind of let people do it it's a similar thing like they'll eventually um, sure the breathe if they breathe well and they do enough hopefully it'll eventually become a process for them a learning learn thing
0: so again if we're patient now rolling is the greatest example of when a child learns how to roll, it looks like an accident because it is that big <laughs> giant head or those feet just pulling right on. Um, but the more they, the more they do it, uh, the easier it gets and the easier it gets. And then it, it gets very pretty after that. And, and the same thing can happen with adults. So, like when we teach workshops uh, and we and we hit the rolling portion, we do teach how to break rolling down into smaller pieces so that it can mm. it can can get there faster. But the truth is, is that they, again, show up every day and they they spend time rolling. A lot of good neural connections get made and everything just works itself out if we're patient. And you got to remember, though, a child spent the first three years of their life Mm -hmm. always showing up to develop that strength to do whatever, everything, you know, to stand, to walk, to play, to run, to climb. Whereas adults, we like to, you know, three days and we're like, well, I've done this for three days. This isn't working. And well, that's not, that's not reality though. I mean, it's not true. It is working. You just don't know that it's working, but if you keep (laughs) showing up and you keep rolling it, you're going to experience the fruits of your labor. It's just that we want things so fast when we forget though, that there's a process to everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My one year old didn't learn how to roll in like, you know, three hours. Like he didn't just all of a sudden, like. Oh, I'm a master roller now. Like you said, it starts like an accident almost. It's almost like you, you fail your way if that's even a word in the process, but you fail your way to learning the ultimate. And it's just, it's just absolute Do time. Do
0: you know the beautiful thing about children though is, is they don't, I mean, they, they may get frustrated if they can't pick up their head longer and their nose is rubbing in the floor. Sometimes kids get frustrated, but they show up every day and they don't take it personal. They don't take yeah. it as unfailing yeah. or as an adult. They, they get mentally defeated. They start talking bad about themselves or they start taking on negative thoughts, which further makes a cascade of, of bad
1: movement. So, yeah, yeah, 100%. The, the
0: children just, they, they move and they're happy to move. And they, they move out of curiosity and joy. And that's the way it's supposed to be.
1: Oh, I love you that. Know? Yeah. Oh, that, that is really good stuff. I, I just, I love how you integrate like the mind, the body, the spirit. And, and we, the more we compare ourselves to children, it's almost like, that's the, the secret is if we all just watch children play more, like I, I've done other podcasts too, where guests are talking about, you know, just watch kids, you know, eight year olds on the bus on the way to school, they're having a blast. And then all the adults are walking around like, like, you know, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's, and it carries over to movement in the way we exercise. It's more than just one thing. I, I think it's cool you brought that up. So I, I just because you
0: brought that up, yeah, I know you've heard this before. Like, and you actually mentioned it at the first uh, when we first started this podcast, is that adults will often say, "Man, look at that kid playing like that! Look at all that energy! I wish I had that much energy." Well, what if you moved a little <laughs> bit? They do. Maybe you do have or would have that much energy, but you don't move, so you're not going to experience it anyway. And what good would it do you to have that kind of energy if you're not going to move? I don't know. It's yeah. kind of crazy
1: oh yeah yeah i was just watching these guys taking a lunch break the other day these guys probably their 30s 40s and 50s they they're taking a break from construction or paying to go play soccer at the children's playground like but they're playing soccer and they're all having a blast like you know happy smiling and like this is something they can't yeah you have to keep that as a part of you it's it's just essential and it's like that 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 vibe is so important to filter into the program and i just think it's totally universal i um I did want to ask you really quickly, because and I think I, fi- I feel like I know the answer to this after talking with you for a little bit, but you said you had gone through a lot of the corrective stuff. I feel like right now, I mean, your correctives basically are probably just what you've talked about, the rolling and crawling. And outside of that, is there really much, and breathing, is there really much need to try to say, you know, this muscle's weak, like let's do this or roll this or give you this set? I mean, what is what is your thoughts on corrective outside of those main resets?
0: Um, in, in original strength, we, we don't try to to correct anything. Um, we just try to help a person remember how, how their body is designed to move. And in, and in the process, they create the neural connections they need to, if something's not working, or if there's a switch not on, they turn it on. They let their body figure out how to turn it back on and it restores whatever is lacking. So like we don't look for, well, this is not firing or that's not firing, Mm -hmm. or this joint's not centrated. If you go through, your design movement sequence, everything learns how to do what it's supposed to do. You develop your stability, you develop your mobility, your control. All of those things get naturally turned on and you, you restore your reflexive foundation. Um, and then the body moves as it's, it dances together as one whole piece. It's not parts and pieces. So it's the whole dance. If we don't try to isolate anything out or say that this isn't working, Is that, hey, let's optimize how everything moves and dances together and it, it will all turn out well.
1: Yeah. I love it. So, so you mean you don't tell people their glutes don't work and they're just your, your glutes are dysfunctional. <laughs> I,
0: now, and I'll give you another part about that too. So because the mind plays such a huge role in it. If I tell, like, I, I'll tell you what, if you told me that my glutes weren't working, that would infect my brain and just me being me. And that would affect my brain and it might absorb me. It might put me in some weird little funk, mental funk or depression or like, why don't my glutes work? How do I fix that? How do I fix What would that cause in me? Or, hey, you know what? You're moving good. I bet we can, you're going to feel even better though if you, if you learn how to move like this or if you spend some time doing this every day, I bet your shoulder doesn't hurt anymore after a while. How about that? Like, I mean, if we, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead yes. of telling they're broken, how about saying, hey, we're doing good but let's see if we can learn how to roll or let's see if we can learn how to rock or crawl really pretty and I'll bet you will just move better. I bet you'll, you'll feel better every day once your body starts moving better. And so then there's, there's not a you're broken stance. It's a, hey, let's, 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 let's move to better and optimize. Let's see if we can get you to the best you that you can be.
1: Yeah, movement and joy over you're broken and let's fix you.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: I love it i love it okay tim uh one okay so for myself or any any list i'm sure uh everyone out there as well as myself you know the interest has peaked like what is a gnarly work all right what's a gnarly workout for me to go try tomorrow for crawling how what will what, what, what's a respectful workout that i could complete that that you would be proud of me if i did i'm in pretty well, good shape relatively good shape
0: I I will just tell you whatever you can do is awesome. However, we, uh, um, we accidentally set this small standard where we always ask the question in the workshop, what, what could you do or what could you not do if you could crawl for 10 minutes nonstop without losing form, without having to stop and rest without your lips popping open, sucking air, but you stayed pretty the whole time. Um, And the answer is, is, well, you can do anything you want to do because you have a solid foundation of reflexive strength and you're just a machine and everything's tied together well. Your cardiovascular system, your muscular system, there are no parts and pieces. Everything is woven together like a beautiful tapestry. So if you could crawl forward for for 10 minutes with your lips shut, nasal breathing, without, without breaking stride, rhythm or anything, that would be, to me, fantastic. Now, and if you can do that easily, great. Do it backwards. If you want to make it harder, just do it backwards or sideways, Uh, you know, so you can always, you can always challenge yourself a little bit at a time. And if you can't get there yet, it would be simply, Hey, you know what? Crawl with your lips shut until your mouth pops open. And if your mouth pops open, rest, recover. And as soon as you can close your lips again, let's crawl again. And let's accumulate 10 minutes of total pre nasal breathing crawling time. You know, we can always piece it together. And if you, no matter how you do it, if you did one minute segments, 10, one minute segments, and it took you 40 minutes to complete, well, that's fantastic. I'd still be just as proud of you as as if you did it all 10 straight in a row because it's all the same. It's all going to get you where you want to go in anyway. So, and and we got time. We got the rest of your life to, to piece everything together as it should be.
1: Yeah. And that's knees off the ground crawling or knees on the ground. Okay.
0: (laughs) If, If you're strong enough, but guess what? If you're not, 10 minutes of hands and knees on the ground is phenomenal. And and this one's the biggest leap of faith. Just doing that will still make you stronger in the weight room. It'll still help you run faster on the track. It'll still help you catch a football better if that's your sport. I mean, it is ridiculous how miraculous just hands and knees crawling is. You don't ever have to up it, but you can.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always want to up things as fast as we can. What's the max level? Get me there as fast as possible. Right. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, hey, maybe I'm excited. Maybe I'll see how many listeners could do that. Uh, but I don't know. I wanted to turn it into a competition, but I, I don't know. I'm, gonna, I, I'm making it my goal. So uh it's, it's really awesome stuff. I, I you can't. I unbelievably enjoyed this conversation. Um, I was excited when I read your books. And, uh, this, again, it's just, it's fun to talk to you and not only expand my own mind and what training is and ultimately, you know, those, those key points and and what we can really attach onto in terms of what our bodies are capable of, but just also seeing a lot of things come together. And so thank you so much for your time. Uh, you really enlightened me and I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed it as well. So appreciate it, man.
0: Are you kidding me, Joel? Thank, Hey man, this is an honor. So thank you so much. I've, I've really enjoyed it and it has been a lot of fun for sure
1: all right that does it for another episode thanks for being with us for episode 154 it's in the books <clears throat> tim anderson is the man i would highly recommend if you don't have any of his books to check them out it's just such awesome practical and simple information i'm also curious how many of you guys can get that 10 uh, minute continuous crawl challenge I'm working on it myself, so to those of you who listen to the episode and were floored like I was, and who are going to go out and try it, best of luck to you, and I hope to see us all hit that 10-minute crawl. All right, so I should always mention this at the beginning, yet I never do, because I always want to keep the front end short, Um, but I realize there's not that many respectively, so my stats says, people who are still listening to this right now, because you probably clicked on to another episode already. I don't blame you, I think I do the same thing myself, but if you are still listening, Would totally make me very appreciative. I'm already appreciative. Just the fact that you're listening to this, I appreciate it. But if you could leave us a rating review, iTunes, Stitcher, I think there's like Google Podcasts and Spotify. Would totally be stoked if you left us a review for this show and the awesome guests we've had. And uh, last but not least, our sponsor, SimplyFaster.com, suppliers of high-end training technology, great blog, job board. They have the best of in sports tech and awesome articles that are coming out daily. So uh, make sure you you can support us by visiting them and their mission, and we will see you guys next week with another great episode. Have a good one.